Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome again to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Thank you all for being here in person, and thank you for watching if you're tuned in online. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, my name is Wade, and we're glad to have you. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you all for coming out in person. I've been kind of under the weather this week, so if I didn't if I didn't give you a hug, be glad about it, because I hadn't felt good this week, so bear with me tonight. But uh, let me go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer, and we'll pretty much pick up where we left off last week. Father, thank you for another opportunity to get up here and preach what you put on my heart. I just thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the truth that we find in it. And uh, I just thank you, Lord, for the changes that it makes in us when we're obedient to it. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to bring the message tonight in a way that people can understand it. And Lord, I just pray that you to open our hearts and minds to be able to receive it, Lord. And uh, not only receive it, but help us remember it and help us to apply it to our lives, God, so that we can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. Lord, we give you the honor, the praise, and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, last week, we pretty much talked about love. Uh, we talked a lot about, you know, the way the world portrays love and the difference between the world's love and uh, the true love that we get through God. You know, most of the time when we're talking about love in the world, it's selfish. You know, we I'll love you as long as my needs are being met or I'll agree to be part of a relationship as long as I'm getting something out of the deal. But in the end, you know, I'm not really in it to love you. You know, the worldly kind of love, I'm most of the time in that relationship because something I need. I want to get my needs met. And, uh, you know, I'm not in it to meet yours. And we examined last week the difference between, you know, worldly love and godly love. Godly love is focused more on the other person. What can I do for you? You know, and I'm not in it because I'm, I want to be loved myself. Uh, and most of the time, like we talked about last week, the world view of love is always self-serving. And when our self is not being served, then that's why we find so many disposable relationships. You know, when we're not getting out of it what we want out of it, we just move on and look for satisfaction somewhere else, in somebody else or something else or, you know, just somewhere else. And one of our main verses last week, which tells us the cause of that, is First John chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, He that loves not knoweth not God, for God is love. So the reason we see so many failed relationships like that is because we don't know God. We don't have God in our hearts, so we can't share what we don't have. And uh, we talked about last week, too, that a lot of times that's why we see so many relationships fail, because we have two people, and neither one of them have God in their hearts, neither one of them know God, but they're still trying to get love from each other, and they don't have what the other one needs. And... Uh, we talked about the only way we can truly love is by surrendering to Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that enables us to love others in the way that they need to be loved. And he's the one that enables them to love us the way that we need to be loved. You know, we talked about that God-shaped hole that we're always trying to fill with somebody or something. 
And the only way, the only thing that will fill that is the love of God. You know, to truly love and be faithful and be able to stay in a relationship even when things get hard. You know, we're not capable of that on our own. <clears throat> but when we do have the love of God, you know, we can be faithful and we can stay in a relationship when it gets hard. Uh, and we find that with the love of God, we can stay in a relationship, especially when times get hard. We go closer to somebody instead of running away from them, you know, like the worldly love does. But when we have the love of God in us, that draws us closer to that person, especially when times get hard, because we genuinely care for that person and we genuinely love the other person. So instead of running away when things get hard, when we have the love of God, we draw that much closer to them and we want to be there for them. And we don't do that without the love of God. You know, it's no longer about meeting my own needs anymore. It's about loving the other person and being there for them, especially when they need you and uh, not just when times are good. Uh, that's pretty much what we talked about last week. And at the end of last week's message, I gave you some homework and uh, I, I really do hope you did it. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Last week I gave you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 8. Uh, those are pretty much the famous love verses in the Bible and I ask you to read those and, uh, you know, evaluate, evaluate your relationship with other people. You know, am I loving people the way the Bible says to? So we're actually going to break down some of those tonight and talk about them. And we'll probably be uh, talking about them for the next couple of weeks. But I ask you to read those and use them to evaluate how are you living up to God's word in the way that you're loving other people. And, uh, you know, like I said, those are pretty much famous love verses in the Bible. But that's not why I chose those verses. The reason I chose those verses is because of chapter 12. You know, if you read chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, it's mainly talking about spiritual gifts and unity in the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, that's our goal here at the church is to be unified and to, to grow into the body of Christ that we're supposed to be. And... Uh, that's what uh, chapter 13 is about. It's given us the tools to be able to unify in the Holy Spirit and love each other the way that we're supposed to be. And not, a, not only love each other, but love people outside of the church and draw them into the church and into the body of Christ. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And uh, chapter 13 talks about the only way we can truly be the body of Christ is to be united together in the same spirit, to be united together in love. And uh, the last verse <clears throat> in chapter 12, that's what Paul says. He says, you've got all these other ways that you can do this, you know, and try to unify the church. But he says the best way to do that is to love each other the way that God tells us to. So uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31 that's the last verse in that chapter. Paul says, you know, beside all these other gifts that he listed in chapter 12, he said, yeah, I'll show you a more excellent way. He said, you can use those gifts, but the best way to unify the church is this way. And then we go into chapter 13. 
So if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, we'll be able to love God and love others the way that we should, and we can do it together, unified, as the body of Christ God intended us to be. And uh, that way it's no longer about me. It's about us. And uh, ultimately, like Josh just said a minute ago in his prayer, you know, it's about glorifying God. So tonight, that's what I want to do. I'm going to start going through these verses and see, uh, you know, how we're supposed to love. I'll go ahead and read verses 1 through 3 in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and then we'll start going through the other verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, and have not charity, and charity is just a word for love in the King James, and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. So he's saying without love, we can do nothing. <clears throat> so Paul's saying we can do all these great things, and uh, in the name of God, you know, I can go through all the motions like we've been talking about for the last few weeks, but if I don't have the love of God in my heart, and if I'm not sharing the gospel message that God loves you and God cares for you and that there's a Savior and that there's eternal life, then I'm not doing it for God. I'm doing it for my own glory. You know, we have to have the love of God in our heart to really be true witnesses for Christ. If we don't have that, then, you know, Paul's saying in those verses there that everything we do, we're just doing for glory. We're not trying to share the love of Christ. We're not trying to be a witness and draw others to Him. So uh, what I want to focus mostly on are verses 4 through 8, and that's where we learn how to love like God and to draw people to Christ. Uh, I want to start off in verse 4, and uh, we'll actually spend most of tonight talking about just this one verse. Uh, there's a lot more in there than we then we see if we're just reading through, we'll just read it and keep going. But uh, I feel like God wants us to stop and pay attention and break this thing down and see what it says. Uh, so in verse 4, it says, Love suffers long and is kind, and love envies not, and love vaunts not itself and is not puffed up. You know, the NLT says love is patient and kind where the King James says it suffers long and is kind. You know, so we have to ask our question, ask ourselves that question, am I patient and kind? And, uh, you know, it got me thinking when Paul said that, he's not talking about people that you really like. He's talking about difficult people here. You know, that's the only time you need patience. That's the only time you need long-suffering is when somebody's hard to deal with. You know, if somebody's easy to get along with, it's easy to talk to, then you don't need patience and you don't need long-suffering. That's why I said we got to have the love of God in our hearts to truly be a witness because he's not talking about talking to your friends here. He's talking about people that need Christ, people that we're supposed to be witnessing to. You know, am I showing the same of love 
the same love of God towards somebody that rubs me the wrong way as I do to my best friend or my group of friends. That's, uh, that's where love gets hard. That's when we have to start making the choice to love them, even though they are hard to deal with. That's when we need the patience, and that's when we need the long-suffering, and that's when we have to have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. You know, those are the moments I have to remind myself that I'm an ambassador of God, and those are the moments that I have to choose to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and respond in a situation like that the way that God wants me to, or I can choose to, you know, to sit, if the conversation goes south, I can choose to give them a piece of my mind to satisfy my own needs and not show them the love of God at all. So when we get into situations like that, that's where we need the love of God in our hearts to help us to make the right choice and to respond in a way that God would have us respond. Uh, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to share these verses with you. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 5, I'll read to you verses uh, 43 through 48. Jesus said, You've heard that it has been said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do that? So be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which in heaven is perfect. So, am I really being patient and kind? You know, that's hard to do. Josh said it Sunday in his sermon, he said sometimes you're having that conversation and you got to pray even while you're in the conversation, you know, to help you get through the conversation and be patient and kind. It's not, it's not easy to be patient and kind to people that are, you know, coming against you the wrong way. But that's what God asks us to do, is be patient and kind towards them. So that's uh, the first part of the verse. You know, ask ourselves, am I really being patient and kind with people? Am I showing them the love of God even though they're hard to get along with? Uh, and if we move on in the verse, the next thing it talks about, it says, <clears throat> love envieth not, vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. You know, the NLT says it's, it's not jealous. It's not boastful or proud. And, uh, you know, just like I'm not going to share the love of God with somebody if I'm angry with them, like we were just talking about, <clears throat> if I'm envy or jealous of somebody, I probably don't have their best interest in heart either. You know, it's hard to, it's going to be hard to witness to somebody if I'm jealous of them or envious of them. And if I'm not careful <coughs> what we do, will that envy or jealousy cause me to, we'll start to despise that person because they have something I don't have. Or 
You know, it don't have to be something I don't have. We might look at somebody and just think they have things that they don't deserve. You know, I don't want what they have, but I don't want them to have it either. You know, we'll start thinking about people and we'll, Proverbs says, we'll wind up despising people. And we're not going to be a witness to somebody that we despise. And, uh, you know, when we get in that kind of mindset, what we do then is without even knowing it, we'll, we'll put people in a category over here in our minds and we'll count them out and call them unworthy to even share the gospel with. And, uh, you know, that's the furthest thing from what God wants, as you can get. He wants everybody on the planet to hear the gospel. And we're supposed to be his ambassadors, like I just talked about. So when we let those mindsets creep into our mind, you know, if we're jealous of somebody or whatever, you know, if we get angry at them, then we're going to categorize them over here and not include them in the ones that God wants to reach. And we'll wind up just reaching the people that we approve of instead of the ones that God does. You know, we'll start, we'll start thinking, who do they think they are? And, uh, you know, we can't do that and show somebody the love of God. So we can't be envious. Uh, and a verse I share with you all the time, it really helps me with that. And I, I've told you before, it's one of my favorite verses is Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. He says, let your conversation be without covetous, covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's saying when we're talking to people, you know, don't be standing there envying the other person, coveting what they have. And the reason I love that verse so much is because it reminds me of what I do have. You know, I have Jesus. It reminds me that as bad as I was, Jesus loved me. And, and he forgave me and he gave his own life for me. And it helps me see that instead of being envious or jealous of whatever that person may have or whatever they're doing, that maybe I have something they don't have. You know, maybe they're jealous of what I have. Maybe they don't have Jesus. And that helps me to look at them in a whole different way. You know, what if they have all these things or act the way they do because they're trying to fill that God-shaped hole that we just talked about a few minutes ago? Maybe that's why they act the way they do. And maybe that's why they have the things they have. Maybe they're trying to find happiness through those things. So instead of being envious or jealous of them, we should, in front of them, live a life that makes them envious and jealous of what we have. Not in a bad way, but make them see that it's Christ in us that helps us to live the way that we do and be able to love them, you know, even when they're being unlovable to us. Us pointing out somebody's flaws or judging them because of their flaws is never going to bring them to God. And that's not what God did to us. You know, he loved us right where we were and forgave us. And that verse helps me remember that. And when I start having those feelings towards somebody else, then that verse pops in my head. You know, I have Jesus, and they need Jesus. So that puts my mindset back where it needs to be. And helps me to be willing to share Jesus with them. <clears throat> you know, we just read in uh, verse 4 there a second ago, it says, Love is not jealous. 
And uh, we've read earlier that God is love. So if you're experiencing jealousy against somebody for whatever reason, you know, you can rest assured that it's not from God. That's just one of the many tools that the enemy uses to keep us from being the man or the woman that God wants us to be, the witness that we're supposed to be. And it's good to know these verses and what they mean so that we can recognize what the enemy is doing. And uh, what he's doing is trying to keep us from our purpose. If we get that kind of a mindset towards somebody, then we're not going to be ambassadors. We're not going to be the witness that we're supposed to be. And uh, Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 2 in verse, verse 10 and 11. He's actually talking about forgiveness here. But that could apply to forgiveness, that could apply to anger, it could apply to envy or jealousy. You plug in anything in that blank right there, but it all, if we let it, has the same effect. It'll keep us, it'll help us to put somebody over here in a category where we won't witness to them. And Paul says, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. Or if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. And what he's saying there is, I'll forgive that person for Christ's sake because they need Jesus. And, uh, you know, if you don't forgive somebody and offer them Christ, then, you know, they'll never find Christ. And he goes on to say in verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So like I said, it could be anger, jealousy, unforgiveness, any of those things. Those are just tools that Satan uses to keep us from being what we're supposed to be. He's an ambassador for God and a witness for Christ. So uh, once we realize that and we can spot those things, then he can't use them against us. You know, <clears throat> if we're aware of them, then we can still effectively share the love of God. Uh, another tool that we have, you know, if you do have a difficult person in your life, and I think everybody does have a difficult person in their life that you're dealing with, I recommend that you read Psalm 37. If you've never read that, it's a really good psalm. It helps me a whole lot, and I think it'll really help you. Uh, once you read through it, it reminds you all through it of how good God is to us. You know, it says things like, you know, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen, you know, God's children begging for bread. It just reminds us over and over and over how good God is to the people that love him and trust him and are faithful to him. But it also reminds us that people who are hard to deal with, the people that use us and abuse us or we think they have things they don't deserve or whatever the case may be. If they're living an ungodly life, it tells us don't worry about those people, you know, because at the end of their life, if that's the way they've lived their whole life, they don't have anything to look forward to. They don't have Jesus. And the end for them is going to be destruction. You know, we have Christ. We have eternal life to look forward to. And we have the love of God in our hearts. And God tells us in that psalm, you know, don't worry about those people they will get their reward you know it's not our job to to judge them and it, it's definitely not our job to try and get even with them and uh, for me anyway when I read that psalm 
it puts my mindset back where it needs to be that no matter how happy or prosperous they seem to be that without God they have nothing and uh, instead of being angry or jealous towards them you know it helps me to to truly feel sorry for them because they don't have Christ and you'll see how blessed you are to have Jesus when you read that because you don't have the end that they have coming towards them without Jesus you know nobody has a future that all they can look forward to is destruction but in Christ uh, that psalm helps us to see how blessed we are to have Jesus and you'll realize that no matter what they have or how they act that without him they truly do have nothing and uh you know, when we realize that about them, then that's going to spark the Holy Spirit within you to see that they really need mercy. They need grace. They need Jesus, just like I needed Jesus before I had him, and just like you needed Jesus before you came to him. You know, the very first verse in Psalm 37 says, Fret not because of evildoers, uh, or neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. And if we go on to verse 7, it tells us, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, and fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way. He's telling us, you know, don't get jealous of other people that are living ungodly lives and they seem to prosper at everything they do. You know, I know people that live very ungodly lives, and they seem to have just money running out of their ears and more toys than you can shake a stick at, and that that psalm really helps us to to not be jealous of people that have those things. It reminds us they don't have Jesus. And the last part of that verse says, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. You know, it tells us don't worry about people that do us wrong or people that's all the time just causing trouble. God will take care of them. And the only reason they act that way is because they don't have Jesus. And if we'll go on to verse 21... You know, it's talking about people that rip you off. You know, the wicked borrow and pay not again, but the righteous show mercy and give. So all those things, you know, it don't matter what kind of evil they're doing or what you might think they're getting away with that. They're not getting away with anything. Uh, one of my favorite verses is Proverbs fifteen three. You know, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. They're beholding the evil and the good. So nobody's getting away with anything. And if you think, and on the flip side of that, if you're doing good after good after good after good and you think nobody sees that, you think nobody appreciates that, and you think you're doing it all for nothing, God sees what you're doing. <laughs> and in that psalm, he reminds you over and over and over, you're going to be rewarded from that, whether you are rewarded for it. <laughs> Here and now or later, you will be rewarded for it. You know, nothing you ever do for God is in vain. But nothing that people ever do against God ever goes unpunished either. So that is a good psalm to read if you haven't read it, especially if you have difficult people in your life. So no matter what somebody's doing or what they have, you know, don't let it change who you are and who you're supposed to be in Christ. You know, don't let their actions or, or any of that stuff make you angry or bitter or jealous. Just realize in your heart that all they need is Jesus. So 
So if you've got somebody in your life, and like I said a while ago, I believe we all do, uh, that's hard to deal with, just get in Psalm 37 and study it and uh, let God speak to you. And don't just read it. You know, really think about it, and it'll help you. Uh, and the next thing I want to talk about in verse 4 of First Corinthians 13, the next part of that verse uh, the NLT says love is not boastful or proud. And uh, we can't be boastful or proud either and be a witness or be an ambassador for God. So that's the next thing I want to talk about. Those things, being boastful or proud, uh, like just like jealousy, those things are not from God either. Those things actually come from Satan himself. If you've never read about the fall of Satan or the fall of Lucifer, uh, you can find that in Ezekiel chapter 28, or you can look it up in Isaiah chapter 14. And that, that's what it talks about. It talks about Lucifer's pride and arrogancy and his boasting on himself and wanting to raise himself above God so that we would worship him. That's what got him kicked out of heaven in the first place. So those things come straight from Satan himself. So if you find yourself being boastful or prideful, you know, remind yourself those things didn't come from God. And we can't act like act like Satan himself and be godly at the same time. You know, for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about sanctification and becoming more and more like Jesus. And the only way to become more like Jesus is to do the things that Jesus did. You know, Jesus wasn't ever prideful. He wasn't ever boastful. Uh, we have to humble ourselves and choose God's will over our own will. You know, that's what Jesus himself did. And uh, I never want you to take my word for it. So I always like to back up what I tell you with Scripture. In Philippians chapter 2, I'll read you verses 5 through 8. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So just like Jesus did, even though he was God, he humbled himself and he became a man and not just a man, he became a servant, and he became obedient to God. Uh, and that's what we have to do. You know, if we're going to be an ambassador for Christ, we have to do it humbly. And uh, we have to look at ourselves as God's servants. And we have to be obedient to God. The worst thing any Christian can do is become self-righteous. You know, once we become self-righteous, then our testimony goes out the window. And we don't witness to people the way that we should, and we don't share the love of God the way that we should. When we do that, we put ourselves above others, and uh, we see ourselves as better than other people. You know, like we started out with, the whole goal of love is to unite us as equals in the Holy Spirit, to be the body of Christ. And when we become self-righteous, we separate ourselves from the body of Christ. We no longer are in the body of Christ. We're standing alone because we're judging other people. 
we're putting ourselves up here and them down there, and that's not the way God designed us to be. He designed us to be equal, to work together, and uh, to share the love of God together as the body of Christ. And uh, when we become self-righteous, we forget the fact that we grew up in Christ. You know, we didn't just wake up one day and uh, decide to be self-made Christians. We all have a starting point, you know. First, we see the need for God, and then we believe in Jesus, and then we surrender to Jesus, and then we receive the Holy Spirit once we surrender to Him, and then we learn how to walk in the Holy Spirit or be obedient to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a process like we've been talking about in sanctification. We grow in Christ, and we mature in Christ, and that's the same for everybody. You know, we can't look back at somebody that just now came into the faith, is new to the faith, and just became a believer in Christ. We can't look back at them and say, you're not as spiritual as I am. You know, that's the worst thing we can do, because when people do come into their faith, when they are a new believer in Christ, they need us to stand along beside them to help them grow in Christ, just like somebody helped us. Nobody gets there by themselves. And uh, we can't put ourselves above anybody and do that. We have to keep ourselves on the same playing field as they are. We have to remember, even though they're new in the faith, they have the same Lord that I have. They have the same Holy Spirit <coughs> that I have. And they have the same God that I have. Uh, it talks about that in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to share these verses with you too. In Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, it's there, there is one body, and that's the body of Christ that we've been talking about. And that's what we're trying to become, you know, united in love into the body of Christ. And one spirit, that's how we get united into one body. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So just because I've been in the faith for a while and somebody else comes in, that don't put me above them. The Bible says that makes them my brother or my sister in Christ. And they have just as much right to God as I do. So, you know, we can't be self-righteous and put ourselves above anybody. And, uh, and they're going to get get there the same way that you did, you know, one step at a time. And the, I want to share this with you, too, in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So none of us have anything to boast about or be proud about except for the Lord himself. You know, none of us got to where we are on our own. We grew up in Christ just like the new believer has to grow up in Christ. So none of us has any right to become self-righteous. It's all a gift from God. It's nothing that we've done of ourselves, that verse says. And uh, so the only thing we have to be proud about is the Lord himself. And uh, Paul says that too in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 31. It says, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. In the NLT it says boast. He that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. 
So we can't be self-righteous and share the love of God. You just can't do that. And we have to remember we all come from the same place, regardless of our background. You know, a lot of y'all know my background. It's uh, I have a lot of alcoholism in my background. You know, you may have drug addiction or whatever it may be in your background. We all come from the same place. The Bible says we were all sinners, and we all uh, came short of the glory of God. So we all have the same need. We all need a Savior, and we all get there the same way, surrendering our lives to Christ. And uh, that's why I always share Romans 5, verse 8 with you. You know, that settles it right there. It says, but God commends his love towards us, and that's the same love that we have to, you know, show other people. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we don't have to die for other people, but we got to meet them right where they are, and we have to love them even though they're a sinner. The only difference between them and us is they still need Jesus, and maybe we already have him. You know, that's God's love. It's the same for everybody in the world. We were all sinners before Christ, and we all start somewhere, and we all grow in Christ. You know, when we become self-righteous, we do the same thing with that that we do with jealousy or any of the other things that we've been talking about tonight. You know, we categorize people, and we choose who's worthy of the gospel. We choose who's worthy of love and who isn't, and uh, that's not God's love at all. That's we just read. God commends his love towards everybody, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when we get into that kind of a mindset, that's slipping backwards. That's going back to our old sin nature. And if you find yourself being more of a more of a judge than a witness, then it's time to bring that to God, like Jesus says, and uh, and recognize it and let God clean us up from that. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter seven and verse five. And uh, he says, you hypocrite. And when we start getting self-righteous, that's exactly what we become. And he says, first, cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to cast out the moat out of your brother's eye. So get the, get the plank out of your own eye before we can show the love of God to anybody. And uh, like I said, we're going to spend most of the night on that one verse. Uh, there's a lot in that one verse. And there's a lot more to the rest of these verses than just skimming through them and, uh, you know, maybe memorizing what they say. And if we're truly going to live by them, we have to meditate on them and we have to pray about them and we have to study them. So, uh, you know, ask yourself this week, go back and read verse four again. You know, am I really loving the way God says to love just in that one verse? You know, am I really being patient? Or am I short-tempered with people? You know, am I standing there judging them while I'm talking to them? You know, am I really being kind to somebody? Or am I thinking in my head while I'm talking to them, I just really don't like this person? You know, we can't share the love of God if we have those kind of mindsets. Or am I jealous of anybody? Have I became boastful in my own faith? Am I, you know, thinking more highly of myself than I should? Or have I become prideful, you know, like we've just been talking about? That's 
something we really need to ask ourselves, and that's just one verse. And uh, if you have those thoughts or any of those mindsets, bring that to God and confess it and let him get you started in a new direction, you know, in the right direction. First John 1 John 1.9 says, bring that stuff to God. He don't judge you for it. He forgives you for it. He's glad when you bring it to him. And not only does he forgive you for it, he'll cleanse you from that. You know, we can't cleanse ourselves, but God can cleanse us. And if we bring him those mindsets, he helps us get rid of them. You know, with things like Psalm 37. You know, read that, and it'll, it'll help you with the hard people in your life. Like I said, to start with, our goal in the church is unity and love, and unity in the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, if we back up in 1 Corinthians all the way to the, the very first, in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So that's what he's talking about, is unity. And the only way we can do that is all of us to be like-minded. And if we... <clears throat> that's where it takes each one of us to do what we read earlier in Philippians 2 and verse 5. This is a choice that we have to make. Verse 5 in Philippians 2 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That means we don't have to let that mind be in us. You know, we can choose to be angry. We can choose to be jealous. We can choose to be prideful. But when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, and, uh, you know, and we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, we let the mind of Christ be in us. And that's what he's saying to do there. And when we do that, then we'll be able to do what's in the verse right before that one, in verse 4 of Philippians 2. It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. If we have the mind of Christ, even if people are difficult, we can be patient with them. <clears throat> you know, we can be kind to them, and we won't be proud or boastful. We'll realize that it's God in me that's doing those things. And, uh, you know, I'm not capable of being kind and lovable all by myself. I know that's the Holy Spirit in me that does that. And, uh, but if we'll let the mind of Christ be in us and uh, be obedient to the Holy Spirit, then we'll be able to do these things and show the love of God to others. Uh, and hopefully, unless God changes direction for me, we'll continue this until we get to, to verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we'll see where God leads. But uh, that's how, that's the only verse I'm going to cover tonight. I figured I'd take up all of our time, and it has. But uh, next week we'll pick up where we left off. But like I say every week, uh, you know, if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, that's where it all starts. You know, we can't live a godly life without God. And uh, if you see the need of God in your life and you want to surrender your life to Christ, it's not hard to do. All you got to do is cry out to God and tell him, God, I need you. <clears throat> and he'll meet you right there. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You know, if you believe Jesus went to the cross 
and died on the cross for your sins and raised on the third day. And you really believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth and ask God to come into your life? That verse says, you shall be saved. And in verse 10, it says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you've made that choice today and you've just surrendered your life to Christ, tell somebody about it. It says confessing it with your mouth is how you receive the salvation. You know, you're saved the moment you ask Jesus to come into your heart and surrender to him. Uh, he will do that. But tell somebody you did that and uh, receive that salvation. And I always try to tell you every week, you know, no matter how bad you think you are, nobody has been too bad that God won't save them. It says in Romans 10, verse 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's whosoever. That's anybody. It don't matter your past, what you've done. God loves you right where you are. And we just read this verse just a minute ago in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, God commended or he showed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he didn't wait for us to to stop sinning. He didn't wait for us to get it all figured out. He met us right where we were. He met me right where I was, right in the middle of my sin. And I asked God to save me, and he did. And uh, he'll save you too. So if you, if you need God in your life, I pray that you will cry out to him, and I pray that you'll ask him to come into your life, and he will. Uh, the homework for this week is really simple. It's verse 4. You know, go back home and, and read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. And uh, if you have to, uh, you know, watch this message again and go back through it. And, you know, truly look at those things. Am I being patient and kind? <clears throat> am I being jealous or envious? Or am I being prideful or boastful? You know, those things hinder us from being the, the witness that we're supposed to be. And I know none of us want to hinder God's word. And uh, if you haven't read it yet, read Psalm 37. It's not that long. It wouldn't take you very long at all to read it. And I think you'll find a whole lot of help in there that you need on a hard day. Uh, a lot of reminders in there that God's on your side and nobody's getting away with nothing. You know, if somebody's doing you really wrong, God sees it and uh, he will take care of it. But that's all I've got for tonight. Uh, Thank you all for coming out, and thank you for tuning in. If you're watching online, I hope you'll tune back in next week and uh, follow us along the rest of this uh, little mini-series we've got into. But thank you all for coming. I'll pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for the message tonight. Lord, I just pray that you would just deal with every heart individually, Lord, that hears this message. And uh, Lord, only you and us know what's in our hearts and you know what we're dealing with and we will know what we're dealing with and i pray that you'll give each one of us lord the courage that if we do have these things in our heart lord to bring them to you like your word says and let you help us to deal with them and remove these things if they're hindering us from being what we're supposed to be and lord i just pray that you give us the the courage to make the changes in our life that we need to make lord to to be the men and women of god that you've called us to be Lord, we thank you for loving us, and we love you, and we give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.